The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Welcome to the Main Street Vegan Show. I am surrounded here today by lovely friends. I have a co-host, Greg Lawson. He is a vegan National Park Service ranger. Does that mean you are the vegan National Park Service ranger? No, actually, I know of several. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. That's exciting. I think they're more populous in the Park Service than in the real world. Oh, that's good to know. Well, Greg is vice president of the Vegetarian Society of El Paso, Texas, and for the last 12 years, he has hosted a vegan-oriented radio program at... Animal Concerns of Texas on National Public Radio for the Southwest. And as of about two hours ago, Greg joined 13 other splendid human beings to become certified vegan lifestyle coaches and educators through Main Street Vegan Academy. We just had our graduation. We had our fabulous luncheon at the Seasoned Vegan in Harlem, wonderful vegan new soul food restaurant that I've talked about before. And something sad and kind of poignant happened because at the Seasoned Vegan, the tip jars up by the cash register have quotations that the staff picked as inspiring to them. All three were from Maya Angelou, and the one that I remember was, nothing will work if you don't, Right. which is a wonderful, wonderful thought for vegans and activists and people who care, and we just got the message that Maya Angelou made her transition today and has gone on to make poetry in a bigger expression of life, so... We send blessings to Ms. Angelou and everybody who loved her, and that's practically everybody on Earth. Are you a poet fan? I have read poetry before, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm a fan. Yeah. You know, one day I was looking at a site, and it had pictures of lots of people who do what I do. They, they write books and self-help and spirituality and this and that. And they go on TV, and they try to have more people know who they are. And I was saying, this one looks really good, and this one looks like she had her cheeks done, and this one looks like she had her nose done, and this one looks like she had her eyes done. And my husband came and looked at all those pictures on the screen, and he pointed to the picture of Maya Angelou and said, oh, what do you think she's had done? (laughs) What? Well, it was the idea of who do you admire the most on this whole page, 
the person who doesn't care so much about the outer envelope. And as we see, the outer envelope goes on, and what we do and and, uh, the difference we make stays with us. You know, uh, they say that beauty is only skin deep, but I don't think so. I think the first quality of beauty for me is compassion for all beings, veganism. That's beauty. And that shows. I mean, that really shows. You can always tell when you meet somebody who has a heightened sense of concern for others. It comes through the eyes. I mean, I'm looking at it in you right now. There's that glorious sparkle. And sometimes people say, oh, it's because you drink a lot of juice. Well, that probably helps, too. It's because I'm on the verge of crying a lot, too. Oh, (laughs) yeah, that'll give you a little bit of light in the eyes. So, so Greg Lawson, what caused you to leave Texas and spend a week in New York City and come to Main Street Vegan Academy? Well, I planned to, to graduate, to retire from the Park Service, hopefully within a year or so. And I figured uh, being a certified vegan lifestyle coach would be a nice way to fill my time in retirement and to supplement my pet, uh, pension. That'd be great. Plus, you had to come to this class because you were our only Texan. And I know you are the veggie Texan. Right. But there are lots and lots of veggie Texans. I just feel like since doing the Academy, I see we get people from Texas and we get people from Ontario. Texas is much more vegan friendly than you would think. Um, There are about three that I know of. vegan radio shows that originate in Texas. Really? Yeah. On the air type radio shows. So how Who knows did, how many podcasts. How did you approach PBS to get your uh, show on 12 uh, years ago? NPR. Uh, NPR, sorry. That's all right. Now, uh, Steve Best, who you might have heard of, he's a philosopher at the University of Texas, uh, came to me and said, Greg, let's, I've got an idea. Let's do a radio show. So he went to the PBS station. And they knew him as being rather radical. And he said, oh, but Greg Lawson will be my co-host. And they knew me. And they knew that I would be a moderate influence on the show. So uh, they gave us a trial. And uh, so for our first show, we had a medical doctor uh, who was local and a vegan. And it was very tame. And so uh, the station said, oh, that's a good show. Uh, yeah, let's let's go with it. Our second show, we had Wayne Pacelli, and we got much more radical, and we talked about cockfighting in New Mexico, and from then on, they had a disclaimer right before our show saying that the views and opinions expressed were those of the participants and not of the station. We were so proud. That, that is something to be proud of. But we've had a lot of media people pass through the Academy this week. We had Jasmine Singer and Marianne Sullivan, and their podcast does our so well, and yeah. they uh, their uh, our henhouse TV show is is really doing well. My daughter was on last week along with Fran Costigan, the pastry chef. So we're always very very proud of the babies who go out there and do amazing things in the world. So tell me, Greg, in your Park Service Ranger persona, do people get it? Are people making the connections? People who care about the environment, who care about wildlife. What do they think about what motivates us? Well, there are more vegetarians and vegans in the park service percentage-wise, I think, than out in, in the rest of the world. But I wish there were more. And that so many of them want to be environmentalists. They recycle their plastics and they turn off the lights in their office when they go to the bathroom and this and that. And they just don't get it about meat. So, you know, we've got more to do. Well, I'm looking around. We have a lot of lights on. But I always think that as a vegan living in New York City with no car, my carbon footprint is probably a size two, although I know (laughs) that we can always do better. And one of the ways that we are going to learn how to do better and better and better today is when we bring on our next guest, your good friend, new Main Street Vegan Academy lecturer, Robert Cohen, the not milk man. I love how he says, you heard of got milk? Well, I'm not milk. Uh That's very good. So if you would like to join this conversation about dairy products and health and the vegan message, you can call us at 888-558-5735. 
6489. Or if you are outside the U.S. of A, you can call 816-347-5519 and join us right here on Main Street Vegan. We will be back after these messages. If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you'll give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the love offerings of listeners to continue operating and expand its outreach. Please visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Oprah Winfrey says that Eric Butterworth's book, Discover the Power Within You, changed her perspective on life and religion. Maya Angelou quotes Emily Cady's Lessons in Truth as she recalls her own spiritual awakening. What do these books have in common? They share Unity's classic teachings. Join Reverend Laura Beth Gilbreth, Minister of Unity Transformation, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Hooked on Classics, exploring Unity's classic teachings. Follow along and contribute your thoughts, questions, and ideas as we examine these foundational teachings through the works of Unity authors past and present. Hooked on Classics, exploring Unity's classic teachings, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am Victoria Moran. I'm the author of Main Street Vegan the director of Main Street Vegan Academy and very, very honored to be the host of this program on Unity Online Radio where they have invited us to share with you an idea that may add some great grace and beauty and health and liveliness to your life. I certainly hope it does. My co-host today is Gregory Lawson, Vegan Natural Park Service Ranger and natural Radio... Park Ranger. Did I it's say not, that? Like, yeah, that like he's a, that. He's a, natural a natural Park, park Service Ranger. Ranger. Yes, that means he discards the uniform and goes in the buff often through the park. Okay, no, that's I didn't say that on a church station. And our guest is Robert Cohen, the not milk man. As far as the dairy industry is concerned, Robert Cohen is the most disliked man in America. His website is notmilk.com, and he has been writing a free daily column for nearly 20 years on a variety of vegan and animal rights topics. But milk 
is the big deal for the not milk man. He has come through all sorts of professions and and past associations, including working in animal laboratories, I believe even owning animal laboratories, and he has some strong opinions on why that is not the way to go. His books include Milk A to Z, Milk the Deadly Poison, God's Nutritionist, and Food for Thought. Welcome, Robert Cohen. Thank you, Victoria. Nice to be here. I want to say hello to my friend Greg. And I want to tell you that I also know two uh, natural park service rangers. The names are Yogi and Boo Boo. Uh-huh. And um, I actually was hired once to lecture to the government firefighting service. These men who go and women who go in and fight forest fires. Uh, they needed me because they had a few hundred firefighters who were not only requesting but demanding vegan meals. That was about eight years ago. Mm-hmm. So, so the movement is growing. It's getting bigger and bigger. I'd like to add, too, that um, 16 years ago, as I was going vegan, Robert Cohen was one of the first guest speakers at the Vegetarian Society of El Paso that I ever heard long before I got involved with them. And he was part of the reason I went vegan. And what did he say that helped you go vegan? No, I can, no. Good. I can tell you what I said. Okay. <laughs> and this has to be from 16 years ago, 16 not, years not ago, 17 yes, or 15. I gave the Vegetarian Society of El Paso a mantra. Instead of OM, I gave you pus with hormones and glue. To repeat over and over again, pus with hormones and glue. Because uh-huh. that's milk. And I reached enlightenment with that mantra. <laughs> and a lot of people would say, these, these fellows are crazy. <laughs> I mean, milk really does have a sacred status in our culture. The babies need it. The little children need it. The old people need it because, you know, they need extra calcium. They do. And you do. come up with all this stuff about pus and glue. <laughs> well, in all fairness, Victoria, mm-hmm. it's not all bad. Okay, if you drink milk, you get a milk mustache, you look beautiful. Well, I don't know about that. Well, um, the standard in America is 200 million pus cells per quart of milk. That's the average, 200 million, which means each sip is about 20 million pus cells. These are dead white blood cells combined with dead bacteria. That's what milk is. A cow filters through her udder every single day 10,000 liters of blood. So you're drinking white blood. Well, isn't that kind of like a vaccine? And it's delicious, too, (laughs) especially if you put some sugar in and freeze it and put a cherry on pop with a little (laughs) bit of whipped pus. So what started your interest? Remember that we're church stations. My interest began with the greatest controversy in the Food and Drug Administration, the approval process for Monsanto's genetically engineered bovine growth hormone. And as the father of three daughters, I first wanted them to have healthy milk, not the genetically engineered milk. And a year down the road, it hit me, it's milk, stupid. It's milk that has naturally lots of estrogen, progesterone, prolactin, melatonin, oxytocin. They're drinking lots of female hormones. I want them to get them naturally when they mature, not from cows. Do you know the average American woman after menopause is eating horse urine in the form of a pill called Premarin, which stands for pregnant mare urine? They have horses in captivity, wearing enormous diapers. And guess what? This estrogen from mammals works on our bodies. You drink it in cow's milk, you take in their estrogen. Well, I see why you stopped dairy 16 years ago. (laughs) So you stated today when you were lecturing for our class that these people who are going out into the world to work as vegan lifestyle coaches need to be encouraging their clients to get off milk first, even if they're not ready to be vegetarian, not ready to be vegan, get rid of the dairy. Why is that? Victoria, I'm Jewish. I want to tell you a word we have. It's called mitzvah. And when a boy is 13 or a girl, you have a bar mitzvah, which literally translates as son or daughter of commandment. We are commanded to do good deeds. And in order to really feel the great difference in your body, Milk represents 40% of what the average American eats. That's 29.2 ounces a day per person, which is 666 pounds. I love that number. That really works for me. (laughs) Um, But it's a sign of something evil. It overwhelms the human body. We're eating milk protein that causes histamine production in our bodies. 12 hours after consumption, 
you produce mucus and a lot of it, which fills all of your internal organs, you have an internal fog, which three to four days after giving it up completely, you have clarity. Everything, it's like a fog lifts. You know, uh, when whenever, I know this happens with both of you too, whenever somebody else discovers that you're vegan, they might say, oh, well, I've stopped eating red meat. And that just saddens me because the list is not red meat worse than chicken and fish. It's actually the opposite in my mind. Dairy is probably first. Dairy is overwhelming. And if you give up dairy first and work with a lifestyle coach, like one of the many people that, that Victoria is teaching, uh-huh. you will come back a week later and go, I cannot believe it. What's next? Right. Dairy should come first. Well, I, I noticed that. I mean, I, I went vegetarian at 19 and vegan at, I had just turned 33. And that was when I noticed the difference. I didn't notice anything when uh-huh. I went vegetarian. Yeah. But one year after going vegan, I realized I had not had a sinus infection for 12 months. That had never happened before. Well, as we get through allergy season, the initial allergy season, so many people have the sniffles and the sneezes and can't sleep. And if they only experience three to four days dairy-free, the allergies go away. Milk and dairy is what puts it over the intolerable line. My sister and I are both vegan. And, of course, when we were young, uh, we ate milk products just like every other youngster. She had asthma. I had ear infections. I know they're both related to dairy. And But if it hadn't been for the ear infections, I might have never become a sound technician for the National Park Service. That's funny, but Dr. <laughs> Frank Oski, who is chief of pediatrics at Johns Hopkins, um, Dr. Spock, yeah. not, not the guy in the Starship Enterprise, mm-hmm. that was Mr. Spock. Dr. Spock wrote about it in his book on child care, which he sold 55 million copies of, advising no parent to ever give their child cow's milk. Ear infection is the number one reaction. Although that came later. That was when he revised the book after he'd already yes. sold many millions of copies over decades. But he was introduced to, to veganism via macrobiotics for his own health very late in life, and he lived well into his 90s. So the baby doctor came through for the geriatrics, too. He did. And again, better late than never, just like many, many people like Dr. Albert Schweitzer in the last mm-hmm. week of his life. He saw a hippopotamus in a stream and decided at that moment, he wrote a letter to his daughter, which you can find over the Internet. He decided that's the moment he became vegan. Uh, Well, he actually had tried to be vegan before that. And there is a letter that he wrote to Jay Dinshaw, co-founder of the American Vegan Society, that said, I abstain whenever I can. But I guess in the African bush in the 1940s, that was. Can I tell you who (laughs) never successfully became vegan and in his autobiography, he admitted that his greatest failing in life was his inability to give up eating goat cheese. His mm-hmm. name was Gandhi. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and, and, and goat milk. I know his doctors had prescribed the goat milk, and he took the goat around with him so that she was not going to be slaughtered, as most dairy animals are in the end. But he still said yeah, before it was his, his assassination, his greatest that was his last failing. Meal, goat milk and goat cheese and mandarin oranges, right? Well, today we have tree-lined cheese and almond milk and all sorts of wonderful things. Now, you had some association before she passed away with Flojo, great runner. Why did she die? Uh, Flojo did a dairy industry milk mustache ad, and she lived by the sword and died by the sword. She betrayed the children of Harlem who look up to athletes who do milk mustache ads and, and copy what they do. Her last meal was at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and she died at 5 o'clock in the morning. She had finger marks on her throat. They had a grand jury hearing ready to charge her husband, Al Joyner, with murder because of those petechial marks on her throat. The coroner's report, and I spoke with the man doing the autopsy, uh, and it revealed that every internal organ was completely congested with mucus and slime. He squeezed the kidneys, and out came this mucus. In her stomach was the size of a brick, 250 cubic centimeters of undigested mozzarella cheese. We are of the season now, hockey. You ever eat a pizza, and you look in the box, there's mozzarella cheese left over an hour later. It's a hockey puck. That's what you're putting into your stomach. You can't digest it easily. 
and she couldn't. Her body was in extreme distress. They said that Flojo died of a grandma epileptic seizure due to positional asphyxia. Positional asphyxia is when there was a police officer on your back doing a chokehold. And a grandma epileptic seizure, normally a person bites their lips and cheeks and tongue. But the autopsy showed that hers were intact. But her organs were in distress. She couldn't breathe. She choked to death on her body fluids, which many people do. Um, I'm not suggesting that everybody that eats pizza is going to die. But I am suggesting that the night after, you are waking up with mucus and phlegm. Wow. Wow. It's, it's like Sounds a mystery good, it? novel. Well, it's, it's really nice, though, that many places you're able to get cheese alternatives. El Paso, I can get uh, in, in at least two places I know of uh, dairy-free vegan cheese pizzas. I make my own pizza once every two weeks. I buy not just all-purpose flour, but bread flour. I let it rise just two hours. Don't punch it down. I make the thinnest crust. And um, I've made my own meat, crumble meat, which is very inexpensive to make. And I make a bolognese sauce. I don't use cheese of any sort. I put vegetables on it, mm-hmm. fried onions, mushrooms. And I'm telling you, this pizza is good stuff. And um, I've given the pizza to many friends' samples, and they love it. They live by it. So... It's really easy to make your own pizza. Economical, it's easy to cook vegan food. You also talked about your ragotta recipe. Can you give that away? Well, what's interesting is I attended uh, a luncheon at the largest headquarters for the Seventh-day Adventists who were supposed to be vegan, and I felt like I was in Wisconsin, Cheese City. (laughs) And I went to the chef. I said, what kind of cheese is this? He said, it's real cheese. And I said, may I give you my recipe for ricotta? And here it is. You take a small container of soft, 12-ounce container of soft tofu, one of hard tofu, a tablespoon of fresh lemon juice, and the magic ingredient, a tablespoon of maple syrup. And you pulse them in a food processor, in your Cuisinart. Pulse, 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 so it gets to be the consistency of ricotta. I'm telling you, you can make ravioli with this. You can make lasagna with this. It's real ricotta. You will fool everybody. Nah. So I, I made something similar, but I didn't know about the maple syrup. Maple syrup is what takes the work of the universe and converts it into something that we normally know as a friend. Ricotta cheese from cows, you can make it artificially with these ingredients. And it works. Or naturally with, naturally these, ingredients, with these ingredients. Especially if you're a natural park ranger. Right. So you talked about a scientific thing today in your lecture IGF-1. What's that and why should we care? We care because IGF-1 stands for insulin-like growth factor. It happens to be the most powerful hormone, growth hormone in the human body. Growth hormone GH was discovered during the Second World War. And then that was called the most powerful growth hormone in the human body. Um, 20 years later, IGF-1 was discovered. Only during the late 60s, early 70s, if it had been discovered first, it would have been called growth hormone. IGF-1, we have 4,700 different mammals in the animal kingdom. We have hundreds of millions of different proteins in nature. There is only one hormone in the entire animal kingdom that is an identical match between two species. It's like a perfect fit for a key, like the best key, the Medco key. They may look alike, but only the perfect one fits the lock. This fits the lock. It's identical in the cow body. It's identical in the human body. The only hormone in nature. And when we look at cancer, it's been identified as the key factor in the growth of every single human cancer. Uh, In my book, Milk A to Z, if you look at the letter B for breast cancer, you'll see about a dozen references, real science, in which IGF-1 has been called the key factor. And this may not be proof, maybe it's just a big coincidence, but the countries with the highest rate of breast cancer and prostate cancer happen to be Denmark, Norway, Holland, and Sweden. They're the nations eating the most cheese, drinking the most milk. They also, by the way, are the nations with the highest rates of osteoporosis because the dairy industries lie that milk prevents bone disease. It's just the opposite. They also are the nations with the highest rates of heart disease. Ulcerative colitis, irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's disease, multiple sclerosis. It's milk. Got milk? Got sick. Whoa. 
No wonder the dairy industry is not crazy about you. Understatement. Yes. So I, I love your book because it looks like a children's book. And that's good because we were all taught about milk as children and we need to learn the truth about milk as soon as we can. So it's set up like an alphabet book. So you've got A is for allergies. You talked about that. B is for breast cancer. Now, that is a way big deal, very much on the minds of most women. Is there a dairy connection? Uh, It's IGF-1 in milk. That's what it's about. Milk is marketed to women. As a matter of fact, I was speaking with somebody today about the World Cup soccer. Four years ago, the eight teams that were in the the finals uh, included Paraguay and Uruguay. Now, these are two countries in South America next to each other. They do the same things virtually. Uruguay has a very advanced dairy industry. The average person eats 400 pounds per year of dairy. Paraguay, the average person eats four pounds a year. Yet Uruguay is on the top five in both breast cancer death and prostate cancer death in the world. Paraguay is in the the top 100. They don't eat dairy. And that's where the connection is. You've got milk. You've got this powerful growth hormone that athletes are suspended for using, like Lance Armstrong on the bicycle, like Jason Giambi of the New York Yankees, and pro athletes, if they take this, it's prohibited for a good reason. It's a powerful growth hormone. It's a performance-enhancing drug. If you're an athlete and work out in the gym four hours a day, you're going to grow big muscles. And if you're a child living in the city, sitting on the couch playing games and watching television, you're going to get big and roly-poly like children are today. As I understand it, uh, consumption of dairy products in our country also leads to early, uh, pre-early maturity in, in men and women at a young age. Well, as I told you, I write a column every day, and coincidentally, my column tomorrow is about that very subject. Yeah. It's about an experiment that was done in Japan. Because after World War II, dairy industry established itself in Japan. There was never dairy consumption before that. And in a 25-year period, according to a publication in the journal Preventive Medicine by Kasagawa, they went to 20,000 people in 6,000 homes, asked, what are you eating? What diseases do you get? What's your height? What's your weight? During that 25-year period, after they started eating dairy, the average Japanese girl, she grew four and a half inches, she gained 19 pounds, and the age of her menses, of her sexual maturity, went from... 15.2 years down to 12.2 years. And the dairy industry wrote about this and took credit. And unbelievably, they racially, they called and hordes dairymen the evolving children who are growing big, sprouting nippers, an editorial, which I really held them accountable for. And I'll write about that in tomorrow's column. So go to notmilk.com and get my free newsletter and you'll get that column tomorrow. Well, that's a lot, and I want to do the devil's advocate thing because a lot of people are in the gym wanting to get big. So if they don't use dairy, are they going to be 98-pound weaklings? Well, let's put it this way. There are many dimensions of big. There are dimensions that turn you into a pear or an apple, and there are dimensions that make you grow taller. And when you look at a woman growing four and a half inches, just like any architect who designs a building and has an architectural plan, When you stretch the contours of the building, you compromise the integrity of that building. When you stretch the contours of the human body that cannot support the weight, you're making the bones bigger and more brittle, and you're creating a scenario for bone disease in the future. And that's what's happening to these children. Girls who mature earlier, unfortunately, also get increased rates of ovarian, uterine, and breast cancer. So this is not a good thing to grow bigger in the gym. Yeah, it may be nice for a weightlifter to take drugs and to be able to perform for a year um, lifting weights. But long term, it's not a very healthy thing for the body. Well, I think that's why a lot of our vegan bodybuilders do bodybuilding for seven or eight years, and then they move on to some other kind of sport. I just think it's cool that they can do it because the more of us that can do things, the The, more the world. There's a champion vegan bodybuilder, Robert Cheek. Oh, lots of them. He's been on the show. And then we just had a fellow today who's in the ice hockey world. I just think we need to look at every sport and see, are we missing a vegan? If so, (laughs) then let us all learn to throw a javelin. Let me tell you the unsuccessful story of one of my favorite vegan athletes, Dave Scott, who won the Ironman triathlon in Hawaii five years by being a vegan. 
That's cool. There are lots of stories like that. I think Carl Lewis said he never ran better than after exactly. he went on a vegan and diet. And Martina Navratilova. Yeah, eating all those bananas. Okay, well, we need to take a break so we can do some jumping jacks, and then we'll be back with more Main Street Vegan right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What if you could improve your health one decision at a time? Take that first step and join us each Tuesday at 9 a.m. Central and learn from experts in integrative medicine. Awaken to Your Best Health is committed to supporting your personal health through cutting-edge research, education, and practical tips that you can put into place immediately. Make that decision for yourself by saying yes to health. Speaks Louder Than Words is an inspiring, informative, and fun hour of uplifting, heartfelt music and commentary that delivers a powerful message of love, joy, and oneness. It will keep you smiling and singing along. Your hosts, Reverends Dale Worley and Christy Snow, are alive with the Spirit of God and singing their love to you each Thursday afternoon at 3 p.m. Central Time with Music Speaks Louder Than Words. Music, it's the only thing that the whole world listens to. Music speaks louder than words when you Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Everybody, welcome back to the Main Street Vegan Show. I am here in New York City with Gregory Lawson of El Paso, Texas, and Robert Cohen, the Not Milk Man, who's in from New Jersey, and people all around the table from all over the place who just attended Main Street Vegan Academy. What a pleasure and to be here with you listening today. Thanks to Jeff Comfort out there at Unity Village, Missouri, for making everything work properly so we can talk with you about all these fascinating things. Now, I just cannot help myself, Robert, but go a little bit further on in your book. And you talk about Crohn's disease. It seems like everybody you meet has something wrong with their digestive apparatus, whether it's a little IBS or whether it's something more serious. Is there a dairy connection there? A little IBS is a whole lot of BS. Victoria. <laughs> um, there's a dairy connection. Uh, we've got the average cow in America requires $200 a year of antibiotic treatment to treat, to treat something called mycobacterium paratuberculosis, which gives a cow yoni's disease. And it's a zoonotic disease, which means cows pass it on to humans. This is a bacterium not killed by pasteurization. At the first sign of heat, Many of these rod-shaped bacteria form a spore, which is a Greek word for seed, and when the milk cools, the seed re-emerges, re-blooms. Mycobacterium paratuberculosis, 100% of people with Crohn's disease test positive, according to a publication in 1996 by the National Academy of Sciences. And once it cultures in a cow's body, the solution is to send the cow to the slaughterhouse. We don't do that with humans yet. But um, we can't cure it. It's a lifetime of irritable bowel syndrome, of diarrhea. And what a miserable way to live. There is a cure. The cure is not an easy one. The cure is one doctor I know in Orlando, Florida, who has an antibiotic protocol intravenously over a three-month period, but it works for 90% of his patients. Um, but the problem is, once you get rid of that bacterial culture, it's just like in Australia, there were two doctors who found out that the H. pylori bacteria is what caused ulcers. Brilliant work they did, and they cured the ulcer by using an antibiotic on the H. pylori. That's what killed the disease, the ulcer, which people thought were just caused by stress and worry. Today, the irritable bowel syndrome 40 million Americans are affected, 30 million women, 10 million men. 
of this irritable bowel syndrome and ulcerative colitis, and irritable bowels and Crohn's disease from this mycobacterium paratuberculosis. You've got to fix the, the damage. And that's what your students are about to do by putting people on a plant-based diet. You need an easy diet, easy food, clean fuel for your engine. And as you both probably know, antibiotics are becoming less and less effective, and we face a, a real crisis. I, I believe it was the United Nations that recently pointed out that antibiotics will no longer work in the future. They did, yes. And, it was the World Health Organization, oh, the, which, oh, is, part, who? which yeah. is part of the UN. Okay. Yep. And, and the, the thing is, two-thirds or, or more of the antibiotics that we use in the United States are fed to livestock and mostly as a growth-promoting agent. Let me tell you the most commonly found antibiotic residue in slaughtered cows and slaughterhouses is something called LS50, which stands for lincomycin spectinomycin. It's manufactured by uh, a company called Monsanto. And lincomycin spectinomycin, spectinomycin used to be tr- used to treat gonorrhea. It's no longer effective. Right. Now, let me tell you something about this LS50 that is the most commonly found antibiotic. It's illegal to give it to lactating dairy cows. It's illegal to give it to cows, yet it's the most commonly one found. So somebody's not doing their job at USDA and at FDA. Well, those two organizations are in the pocket of industry. It's worse than that. Let me tell you why it happened. In 1994, Monsanto's top scientist, Dr. Margaret Miller, went to work at the Food and Drug Administration. She was given the power to arbitrarily, without any testing, change America's antibiotic protocol in milk. It used to be one part of antibiotic per 100 million in milk. She changed it by increasing it by 100 times to one part per million. So now the FDA says, well, the levels of antibiotics we find are well within the limits without telling us that they changed the limit. This is something I found after an enormous amount of research. Wow. How about diabetes? How about diabetes? (laughs) The pancreas manufactures insulin, an area of the pancreas called the Isles of Langerhans, beta cells in the Isles of Langerhans. And they resemble a protein in milk called bovine serum lactobumin, which the body recognizes as an attacking antigen. When the body sees it, it destroys that and then with diabetes, and by the way, with multiple sclerosis, they act very similarly. It's an autoimmune disease, self, and it turns upon your own insulin-producing beta cells. Now, uh, the July, you can go look in your library, if they have the, the volumes, the July 30th issue, 1992, of the New England Journal of Medicine included a study which indicated that the dairy industry is responsible for this. And they wrote an editorial that milk, it does a body good, sounds a little hollow these days because they discovered the key to diabetes. So do we have a cure for that? Type 2 diabetes is the rapid, rapidest growing disease, and yet it's very easily cured. Vegan doctors know this. <laughs> put your person, put your client on a plant-based diet, and that will disappear. You know, slogans like milk, it does a body good, the, the industry has had so many slogans over the years, and they've been told not only by the USDA, but by other organizations, you can't say that. And so they said a number of things like milk builds strong bones. They were told, no, you can't say that. Okay, uh, we'll say milk has calcium. Calcium builds strong bones. No, no, you can't say that. Okay, we'll say milk helps you lose weight. They were sued by the PCRM. And the Better Business Bureau told them, you can't say milk helps you lose weight. So they said, oh, okay, we'll say milk can be an important part of any weight loss diet. How about that? Well, I wrote in my column, um, maybe a half a dozen columns, the dairy industry milk dairy princess contests. And every time I do that, I include the pictures, the photographs of the dairy princesses. And I have more fathers in America who want to find me alone with their pitchfork. Than, than anything else, because these are not skinny, weight loss girls. These are girls who have grown very large from what they promote. And they are the enemy to me because dairy princesses win the contest, then go into local kindergartens and first grades and teach the children what they must have to prevent their bones from breaking. It's a scare tactic, and it works. 
Whoa. Well, speaking <laughs> of scare tactics, you also are not crazy about GMOs. Tell us about those and what they're doing in our world and what we can do about it. My first book was Milk the Deadly Poison. Great I've book. Been- very which funny. is a very subtle title, by the way. But, <laughs> but um, I discovered a, a secret study uh, by Monsanto, which I am in possession of. It's authored by Richard Odaglier and Deslex, in which every laboratory animal got cancer from this hormone. And the, the FDA, FDA held it back. Somebody from the FDA gave it to me. I would go to jail if I release it, according to public law number 104-273. Um, recently, we learned that there's a great difference where the government says there's no difference between GMO foods. There's a great difference between genetically engineered foods and foods that they've replaced. And the difference is genetically engineered foods are grown with a chemical, with an herbicide called Roundup Ready, which contains a poison called glyphosate. Okay. And they've discovered this glyphosate, glyphosate, in breast cancer tissue of women. Okay. So we have evidence now they're getting glyphosates from somewhere. Um, they're not getting them in Europe because it's illegal in Europe. They're getting them in the United States. It's dangerous. It's causing deaths. It's causing pain and suffering. And GMOs are nature finds a way to find a difference. And nature finds a way to create its last laugh. And unfortunately, it's not a happy last laugh. I grit my teeth whenever I see uh, a run for breast cancer sponsored by a yogurt company and pink ribbons. It's just too ironic. The Susan Komen organization, the Avon organization, have nearly together over a billion dollars in escrow that they're not spending from money that they've created. Breast cancer turned out to be a very good business for them. And, um, yes, the people who are participating have to raise a minimum of a few hundred dollars apiece. They're rewarded after the race by cups of yogurt. And there's some great irony in that. And when we look at the yogurts they're giving out today, America is undergoing a classic Greek yogurt revival. No fat. They take out the fat. But the problem is not the fat. The problem is the protein. IGF-1, this hormone that accelerates breast cancer growth, is the problem. The New York Times published an autopsy study November 8th, 1994, you can look this one up, written by Gina Collada. It's on page C1. And in this autopsy study, they found 3,000 women who were killed accidentally, basically car accidents. And they did the histology. They looked at their cells. And they found that between the ages of 40 and 50, even though 1% of women in that age group are clinically diagnosed with with breast cancer, 39.6% had it. They found that over age 50, 100% of adults have thyroid tumors. In other words, cancer is the rule and not the exception. Right. These tumors don't, don't usually grow. They're controlled. But one thing makes them grow, like pouring gasoline on a fire. It's that hormone, growth hormone, IGF-1. Mm-hmm. You get it from milk and cheese. And the remedy, it would seem to be, is get rid of the milk and cheese and eat all kinds of different sorts of fruits and vegetables and beans of all different colors that have the phytochemicals that make short work of those cancer cells. Exactly. The remedy is the same name as my website. Got milk? Not milk. Notmilk.com. <laughs> and eat a rainbow every day. The darker the color, the more uh, phytonutrients you get, antioxidants. Uh, I eat purple potatoes. I don't eat white potatoes anymore. That's a good point, Greg. But most people think that there are only seven colors in the rainbow. Violet, Uh, indigo, blue, green, yellow, orange, and red. But there are two more. There's ultraviolet and and infrared. infrared. Right. And we've learned recently that when it comes to breast cancer, it's not just the breast cancer cells that are the problem. People get chemotherapy and radiation and seemingly are cured It's the stem cells that remain, that are not treated by these cancer therapies. Breast cancer stem cells are the killers. And there's a magic substance in kale called a dithiocyanate, where steamed kale is better than raw kale. It's effective in fighting these breast cancer Hmm. stem stem cells. You want to make them grow? Dr. Joanna Tabakman from the University of Iowa Medical School found that there's a substance, an artificial emulsifying thickening agent 
found in many products, including almond milk, called carrageenan. Stay away from it. Read labels. Become informed. Well, I'm glad we made homemade Brazil nut milk for the Academy. But some of the brands have gotten the carrageenan uh, out of the milk. Yeah, many of them have and recognize it. The the plant-based milk. You'll find it in every cup of chocolate milk, the carrageenan. Why they don't use guar gum and xanthan gum, I don't know. But carrageenan is a problem. Or quinoa flour. (laughs) You know something, Greg, that's interesting you said that because uh, I – do I cook for my family and I bread and fry many things and yeah. the traditional bread bread and fry you do an egg wash. But I mix three parts water to one part rice flour. I either use rice flour or chickpea flour, which I make myself in my Vitamix. And it's remarkable. You wouldn't tell the difference. You don't you know, need eggs ever. You know what makes a good egg substitute for an egg wash is uh Pulverized chia seeds, but those in a blender. Oh, chia seeds are wonderful. Yeah, and and they've got omega-3. There there was a book written by Christopher McDougall called um, Born to Run, and it describes the Tarahumara Indians living in um, Copper Canyon Uh in Mexico, how these 50, 60, 70-year-olds run and compete in 100-mile races, and they attribute their ability to do that to chia seeds. Many vegan athletes today, it's become very big. You go to a convention of triathletes, and you'll find chia seeds as one of the best-selling products. They know, these athletes know, it's a great product to put into your smoothie. And we thought it was only good for chia pets. There you go. What did we know? We just have a few minutes left, but Robert, I know that you were in the animal testing business, and it is a big business in, in this country, but today you see that differently. Tell us about that. I used to do research. I used to run a lab. I've operated on many, many laboratory animals. I've operated on animals when there were animal rights demonstrations outside, wondering what their motives were. Um, I was one of them. We've since learned that half of the cancers rats get, mice do not get. Half of the cancers mice get, rats do not get. Rats do not even have gallbladders. How you can ethically do a nutritional study on a rat when they have different digestive enzymes makes no sense. But... We approve drugs based on rat research, and yet they come back to haunt us. Things like thalidomide, diethylstilbestrol. It's really a crapshoot as to whether a drug will be approved by a rat study and whether it will work. And unfortunately, for many of these drugs, it's five or ten years down the line that we learn the contraindications of the adverse effects. So Not you- to mention the animal pain. Right. It hurts yeah. to do surgery. Yeah, I think about that wonderful Ruby Roth book for children, and she got all kinds of press, and she was just skewered. She would show her sweet little book, and the the part that they really got on her about were those pictures of the animals in laboratories. And you would think they were incredibly graphic pictures. They were just animals in cages with Band-Aids. drawings are so creatively whimsical. They're beautiful. Yeah. They're great books for children. And for adults. I love her books. Well, and I love your book, and it looks like it could be for children, but it's for everybody. (laughs) Really, check this out, Milk A to Z. It is a collection of quotations from the scientific literature about dairy. Wait till you get to the letter Q. Yeah, what is the letter Q? We've got a minute and a half. Q is the Quixote, like Don Quixote syndrome, tilting at windmills, because that's what many people think I do. But it has a series (laughs) of quotes from... The New York Times to people within the dairy industry writing about me. And my favorite comes from this woman, Teresa Van Wagner, who wrote an editorial in a dairy magazine writing, I wish he was on our side. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, I am thrilled that you are on our side, Robert Cohen. <laughs> well, I'm on the winning side. Notmilk.com is the website. Milk A to Z is the book. And Gregory Lawson's radio show, Apt Animal Concerns of Texas. Where can we find that if we're not That's, in Texas? You can go to ktep.org and uh, Click on the listen button, you'll come to the archives of ACT Radio. And uh, Victoria Morand is in my archives, and she will always be in my heart. Ah, oh. 
It means a lot to be in somebody's archives. <laughs> well, it does when it's yours. Thank you both so much for all that you're doing for human health, for the animals, and for the planet. Thanks to everybody who's listening today. And join us again in the archives and in person here on Unity Online Radio for Main Street Vegan. Until we are together again, God bless you and eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. saying to yourself, I'm going to focus on me starting Monday, or right after the holidays, or on my next birthday. Well, we are here to say, don't wait another moment. Your health is the most important gift you have for yourself and those you love. Start now to become a more vibrant, healthy human being. Take that critical first step and join us every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Central on Awaken to Your Best Health. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. As Reverend Felicia Blanco Circe points out in her book, Do Greater Things... There is the potential for joy, wholeness, and expansiveness designed into every moment. And the miracle is when we recognize the constant presence of these qualities all around us. Once we see what is possible, our lives then begin to change. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. What is the key to happiness? Would you like to find the fountain of youth? How about all the money and love that you could handle? Well, my friends, it is there for you. You just need to strip off the false beliefs that keep your divine inheritance from being attracted into your life. You need to be real. Be vulnerable. Be naked. What are you waiting for? Let's get naked. This transformational program with Reverend Heidi Allfree is an invitation to explore and remove the blocks that keep you from emotional freedom. Listen to Heidi and her revealing guests as they embrace the power of spiritual nakedness as a guaranteed way to live an authentic and transparent life. Expose yourself to your greatness on Mondays at 3 p.m. Central Time. Let's get naked. No dress code required. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You gotta get rid of your butt. It's bigger than it would appear. It hinders your forward movement when you keep bringing up the notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly? Listen to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Join the discussion with Daryl and Ed live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Funniest Thing, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
Pop culture is defined by the Oxford Dictionary as modern popular culture transmitted via mass media and aimed particularly at younger people. But can it be meaningful? Spiritual even? The hosts of Pop Conscious think it can be, and that it can be fun to explore, too. Melena Dawn and Stacy Macris Ross will be your amateur cultural anthropologists, examining pop culture and spirituality every Monday at 2 p.m. Central on Pop Conscious on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.